engine running. Y'all, this John Kerry thing. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. So, Mike Flynn, the General Mike Flynn, uh, the Mueller investigators used the Logan Act, uh, a late 1700s era law that is most people on both sides of the aisle agree is unconstitutional. That they they use that as the pretext to investigate him. The law is still on the books. No one has challenged its constitutionality, uh, and they use that as the pretext uh, by which to proceed with an investigation into Mike Flynn. The Logan Act prohibits Americans from operating as free agents abroad to undermine American foreign policy. So they used a potentially unconstitutional law to begin an investigation into Mike Flynn. Are we going to get one into John Kerry, uh, who has gone uh, about his business to try to undermine the president on the Iran deal? Now, you should know the president is going to announce tomorrow what he's doing on the Iran deal. I'm hoping he guts it, and I hope he guts it in large part because of what John Kerry is doing. Um, The Democrats need to know that they cannot go around undermining the president. Remember, um, Ed Kennedy, Ted Kennedy tried to do this against Ronald Reagan. He tried to get the Soviets to involve themselves in the American election. And I don't hear Democrats talking a great deal about that when they claim there was Russian collusion, which there wasn't, but they claim it because they can't accept that Hillary Clinton was a bad candidate. Uh, So now you got John Kerry trying to salvage the Iran deal, trying to get other countries to stand up to the United States, um, undermining his country. I'm old enough to remember when Tom Cotton was called a traitor. He, an Iraq war veteran, was called a traitor by Democrats for writing an open letter in a newspaper to the prime minister of Iran, uh, essentially calling him out on being an abuser of human rights and developing nuclear weapons and not being honorable and not keeping their word. And yet John Kerry's going around trying to salvage this thing. Um, I, 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 listen, I think that the Logan Act is probably unconstitutional, but I also think if federal agents are going to use it to have an investigation into Mike Flynn, uh, they ought to use it to have an investigation into John Kerry. What's fair is fair. I think federal agents are undermining Americans, um, a belief in and support for the law when they are heavy handed with one side and not the other. And, you know, it's like, for example, the documents from the DOJ in the run-up to the Mike Flynn investigation have been released and the redactions removed. And it turns out that the redactions were not what the Department of Justice claimed they were. The Department of Justice had claimed that the redactions highlighted national security information related to the investigation. Uh, They have released everything with a couple sentences uh, accepted. They have unredacted everything, and it turns out that what they claimed was redacted wasn't redacted. What they claim was redacted uh, was actually about Mike Flynn. The investigators believed he had told the truth in their investigation. Now, I I will say this. uh, A lot of people are putting a lot of weight on this part of the of their statements that the investigators believed Mike Flynn had told the truth and yet he was pursued by Mueller that investigating investigation experts believe someone is told tell the truth told the truth tell the truth my goodness you'd think I went to common core school told the truth 
is not the same as them actually having told the truth. That is a relevant bit of information that is being obfuscated today. Uh, but it seems like if you're going to use the Logan Act for Flynn, you ought to against John Kerry as well for going around undermining the president. Now, beyond the Iran deal situation, and it's still really undecided as to what the president is going to do, um, we've got a bunch of other news out there that we need to consider, including the polling that suggests Americans are really happy with the direction of the country right now, including Clinton voters. A majority of Clinton voters believe that the country is headed in the right direction. And a majority of Clinton voters believe that things were better 50 years ago than they are today. Now, remember when Republicans believed this, Democrats said it was racist. But now a lot of Clinton voters think that as well. It's not actually racist. Um, I, I would also say it's a myth. Uh, I, I don't actually believe things were necessarily better off 50 years ago than they are today. In fact, if you're a black voter in this country, uh, of course things aren't better off 50 years ago than they are today. Um, but it's all, it, it, it's, it's relative thinking. It, it's idolatry ultimately is what it is. You look on the past fondly and think today must be worse than that. But in fact, uh, th there have been so many advances in the country uh, and the world that it, it, it's really hard to say. It's just you're overwhelmed by what's happening right now. This is, however, good news for President Trump. Um, I am beginning to, I'm not even on the verge of it anymore. I'm beginning to believe that the Democrats will take back the House of Representatives, but that their wave is overstated. Um, now, how can you believe both of those things? Well, Pennsylvania and California are the reason. If you will remember, the Democrats who are partisan on the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania ordered redistricting for the Pennsylvania congressional districts. And they wrote the map themselves. The Democrats on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court wrote the map. And it is a map that favors Democrats. So the Democrats will pick up seats in the House in Pennsylvania just by virtue of the redrawn lines. That is not a condemnation of gerrymandering. I happen to think that Supreme Courts should stay out of gerrymandering and let the elected officials gerrymander till their hearts content. A study from 538, the Nate Silver website, shows that in the most idealized version of congressional districts, the Republicans would still have an advantage. The House of Representatives has a baked-in advantage for the GOP right now, but... They only have 24 seats, and the advantage is only really a 10-seat gap. And in wave years, in years where the Republicans are at the White House, things tend to be balanced in favor of the other party. There is an inherent bias in the party opposite the White House controlling the House of Representatives. So that gives the Democrats a bit of an advantage. Right now, the polling shows the Democrats have an 8-point advantage in the generic ballot. That's down from 13 points. I it, it, The other reason is California. In California now, they've got what they call a jungle primary. It's what I grew up with in Louisiana. It's where all the candidates of all parties are on a common ballot, and the top two vote-getters go into a runoff. And in some cases, you aren't going to see Republicans on the ballot. Now, in some cases, Democrats are going to have a hard time because there are so many Democrats and so few Republicans, the GOP could potentially split the odds and get two Republicans on the ballot. By and large, though, in California, this is going to help the Democrats right now. Uh, the Republicans are at a loss there. 
So when you've got Pennsylvania and you've got California shifting, you've only got a 24-seat advantage for the House of Representatives for the GOP. I mean, the odds are just numerically that the Democrats will take back the House of Representatives. The Senate is where it's at, though. There are a number of Democrats up for re-election in seats that Donald Trump won, in, in states that Donald Trump won, and things are not going well enough for the Democrats and are going too well for the GOP right now. Despite what the media would have you believe about Donald Trump's unpopularity, and he is rather unpopular, the economy is doing so well, it's holding the president's popularity ratings above 40%. And he won the presidency with his popularity where he is right now. And Republicans retained the Senate. And now the Republicans or the Democrats have even more seats to defend in the Senate than they did two years ago. That helps the GOP. The question is, do they throw it all away by backing nutty people like Blankenship in West Virginia and elsewhere where it's the candidate who matters? And if the GOP can get some really good, competent candidates, they could mitigate any of the damage in the House wave and hold the Senate. That would be a good thing. We'll talk about that and Don Blankenship when we come back. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I have been using it for a while. Uh, The truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enamel in your teeth, so you want to actually change your brush. Heads and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes you can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it, and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five dollars, including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads. Last week, I think, uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T. Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. And really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, but yet when they sent me the new brush, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. Twenty-six after the hour. The phone number four zero four eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB Talk. One of the the just simple truths in politics is that candidates matter, 
And so Don Blankenship is the another guy we played his ad in from West Virginia last week. I can't play it again because I don't have time to stop laughing um, after hearing it. The ad about China people and cocaine Mitch. Um, he has pulled ahead with all the media attention being given him. And the guy has gone on record saying that Joe Manchin, who he's running against, really isn't that bad of a guy. He just wants uh, Blankenship just says he wants the job. Uh, he just got out of jail. He hasn't filed any of his ethics disclosures. He actually lives in Las Vegas. Um, he just claims residency in West Virginia, which has fairly lax residency laws. And he, he could be the president is warning another Roy Moore situation where he loses because he can't unite Republicans in a way that the other candidates can't. Patrick Morrissey, for example, is the guy running neck and neck with him. Patrick Morrissey is the current attorney general of West Virginia, the first Republican to hold the office. Uh, he's got the entire conservative movement in Washington backing him. Uh, the, 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 the Trump skeptic conservatives in Washington and the pro-Trump people in Washington, they're all backing Morrissey. Uh, but Blankenship is doing these outlandish ads. It's almost as if voters have decided it doesn't matter, so let's just be entertained. Uh, but it does matter because the Supreme Court is at stake with the uh, Senate. If Republicans lose the Senate, then uh, you've already got the precedent set through Merrick Garland that the Democrats don't have to hold a hearing if a seat opens up. So I, I, all the time Republicans run on the Senate matters because of the Supreme Court, it really does. And it, it, that was an excuse that galvanized Republicans to vote for Donald Trump. Will it be enough for them to pick candidates who can win against guys like Joe Manchin, who are popular Otherwise, in their state, uh, Republicans have to pick good candidates. They got to pick good candidates locally too. And in Georgia, it appears an outside group is preparing to shape the field for the governor's runoff. And there's some new data out there. One of the candidates is preparing for an incoming volley of negative attacks. And then there's some local races that are getting really nasty as well. We'll get into those when we come back. Alrighty, let's get ready for a whirlwind of local politics. There's so much national stuff happening. We still got to talk about John McCain, more on the Iran deal, the Parkland shooter, uh, on and on and on it goes. Um, but there is some news locally that I think we need to talk about. One of which is it appears that the Casey Cagle, there's an outside group, Citizens for Georgia or some such, uh, that supports Casey Cagle that can spend money he can't. And uh, the Kemp campaign believes that uh, they're about to get attacked uh, pretty severely by this group. And it's interesting. Um, this appears to be the Claire McCaskill tactic from Missouri. Essentially, this is good news for Brian Kemp in that this outside group has concluded he will be the Republican going into the runoff with um, with Casey Cagle. It, it seems to be statistically tied right now between Hunter Hill and Brian Kemp. The Cagle team is strategically, I think, probably wisely calculating that it's going to be Brian Kemp, although this could backfire. Um, I, because I, I have now been told by several people that the Cagle team thinks that Brian Kemp is going to be easy pickings for them in a runoff in a way that they don't think that someone like Hunter Hill or Clay Tippins would be um, because there just isn't a treasure trove of information on them to turn into negative attacks. Um, I, I, you know, 
the the setup here, I, I think the the Hill team, the Hunter Hill team, might might have been a little worried about this outside group coming after them, trying to ensure he doesn't get into the runoff. Uh, but it does appear to be that this outside group wants to go on and define Brian Kemp in anticipation of the Republican runoff. They think he's going to be the guy in the runoff, and they want to take him out. Uh, they want to go on and start defining him early to make him radioactive into the runoff. It is a dangerous game they're playing, uh, because if it makes Kemp too vulnerable, it could get Hunter Hill into the runoff. And while the Cagle team is pretty comfortable with the money they have in the bank, uh, Hunter Hill is a candidate they would have a really hard time going after negatively. Um, and, and Hill has, I mean, he's hes impressive. Hill is very impressive. Now, there are other races out there as well. Um, there is the state Senate race in Forsyth County. Um, there's a guy named Bill Fielder running. Um, I don't think he's going to be the nominee, but he's essentially running to eliminate other people now, it seems. And Fielder is lobbying attacks on Greg Dozal, who, if you're a listener of this program, you know, uh, Dozal is, is the guy I would support up there. He's a friend of mine. It's just, it's an interesting attack. It, it's, it's a flat-out lie. And, and I just, it's frustrating because I wish candidates would do better. If they're going to lob attacks, uh, do better. Uh, the attack on Greg Dozal is that he is backed by an anti-religious liberty group and that he would oppose a religious freedom restoration act. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Greg Dozal is a Christian running up there. He's actually Chris Tomlin is supporting him, uh, the, the Christian singer. Uh, Greg Dozal is a guy who went out and helped when the Chamber of Commerce and others were going after candidates who supported the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Uh, Greg Dozal actually was one of the people who rallied support to those candidates. He's a huge proponent of RIFRA. He's a huge proponent of uh, religious liberty legislation. He would be a reliable vote in the Senate for uh, religious liberty legislation. And so to have this Bill Fielder guy, I don't know who he is, but uh, the fact that he's attacking Dozal, saying that he would be opposed to it, it's a flat-out lie. Um, and I just, I wish that candidates, when they're running for office, whether I support the guy or not, I don't, I don't know him, but I wish he would do better. Um, you don't have to, I'm sure there's something out there he could spin his way into an attack, uh, whether I agreed with it or not, as opposed to just flat-out lying. Uh, but this Bill Fielder guy seems to just want to lie as opposed to run himself, which is an interesting contrast to another candidate I want to tell you about. So, you know, so contrast this Bill Fielder guy who ran a, is running an attack mail piece on Greg Dozal, and it's a flat-out lie about Dozal. Um, I, I've got a friend of mine. His name is Ken Pullen. He is running for the state house. Um, down in the the Upson, Pike County, Griffin area uh, against an incumbent, Johnny Caldwell. Uh, Caldwell was a judge who, um, he was removed from the bench, uh, didn't want to leave, but was forced out due to ethical issues. He's got all sorts of baggage. And uh, the Pullen campaign has been running a just a really good campaign on it's just it's time for a change. We need someone who represents us better. And as is want to happen, consultants are just uh, absolutely convinced that when you run, you have to run negative ads. Like, I'm, I'm sure Fielder is just convinced he's got to run negative ads. And, I mean, it is to Ken Pullen's credit down there in that race that he just he doesn't want to run negative ads. He wants to sleep well at night. He sees no reason 
um, to run a negative ad, and he feels no reason to trot out uh, Caldwell's baggage, even though there's lots to trot out. He doesn't want to do it on his campaign because he says this this is not a race about his baggage. It's a race about finding someone better. And I just we need more candidates like that. We only need to do stuff like that as opposed to this negative stuff, um, which reminds me one other local race to keep your eye on is is Tommy Benton. <laughs> Georgia right to life has just blown this guy up. Uh, he, he attacked them. Um, because they didn't support him, and he claimed, well, that you just got to fill out a survey, and he didn't, and they just blasted that guy. It is actually a very funny letter. If you get on Georgia Right to Life's Facebook page, you can see this letter. They're supporting uh, Sam Thomas over in Jefferson, and this Bitten guy, he apparently he, he opposed the, the fetal pain bill in the legislature. He's opposed a lot of pro-life measures in the legislature, and Georgia Right to Life wants nothing to do with them, and so now he's, he's attacking them, apparently attacking everybody instead of trying to convince people to vote for him. He's just attacking people. Um, this all goes, the reason I'm trotting you through these local races is because candidates matter. And when, whether you look here locally at a, this guy like Benton or you go up to West Virginia and guy like Blankenship, who they're not really trying to sell themselves. They're trying to go after other people and trying to have you believe lies and trying to have you believe they're good, that they're better candidates than they are. And folks, Republicans really need to remember that candidates matter. We need good candidates in a wave year where the Democrats look like just on momentum and energy are going to be able to pick off easy Republicans. We've got to have the best candidates in every seat because if we don't have the best candidate who's on their A game at all times, the Democrats are going to have easy pickings and we need to do better. We can't just phone it in in Georgia and say, oh, the state's Republican. Um, yeah, the state may be Republican, but, you know, demographically, the state could shift. I believe Democrats are or demography isn't destiny. But when the rest of the GOP thinks so, we need to be on our A game and find the best candidates, whether it's here or West Virginia, Arizona or where else. Now, we got to move back to national stuff. We'll keep some local as well. John McCain. Um, he's not going back to the Senate now. His health in decline. He's trying to stay alive until June for a very important reason that I will tell you when we come back. After the hour, I am Eric Erickson. This is the second hour. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, Senator John McCain is dying. His cancer, uh, no cure. Uh, it is in the final stages of gulling him to his maker. And uh, there are a whole lot of people behaving badly. Um, it, it always makes me sad to see Christians, conservatives, whatnot, um, behaving badly in, in ways. For example, Mike Pence was at an event the other day and um, said that he uh, wished John McCain well and some older lady from the crowd shouted out and to retire. 
Um, other people booing his name. It's just it, it, he and I. There, there's no love lost between us. We we never got along. Um, I can't repeat on air some of the names he has called me. So sometimes jokingly, sometimes not. Um, to my face. Um, he we disagreed a lot. I uh, was not a fan of his. Didn't support his uh, presidential campaign. Um, but I, I definitely recognize his heroism, his willingness to stay as a POW. Um, in Vietnam so as not to be used as a propaganda tool. Uh, I do think the media is setting him up and his pending death to be used as something with which to beat President Trump and think it's a bad form of Senator McCain to say he doesn't want the president of the United States at his funeral. That's just going to be used as a propaganda aid by the left. I, I wish he would reconsider it. Or in Hatch, the senator from Utah is calling on him to reconsider it. But but I, I don't dispute the man was an American hero and, a, and an icon. In the United States. Uh, There was an interesting nugget, though, in the New York Times profile of him that he, uh, by the way, just as as an aside, so so the PR on his book is that John McCain is dying. He doesn't have anything to lose. He's going to tell it like it is. This is the man who ran a campaign for president on the Straight Talk Express. Was he not actually giving us straight talk then? Uh, I mean, no disrespect intended to the man, but was he not giving us the straight talk that he has claimed all along to give us, and now he's giving us straight talk? I mean, which, which one is it? I don't know. But he's trying to hold on to June. The reason is because of Arizona election law. Uh, in Arizona, if John McCain dies in the month of May... More likely than not, under various people's readings of election law, uh, Arizona would have to have a special election in November. And given the Democratic wave, um, the Republicans would prefer not to have to defend two Arizona Senate seats in November. Uh, They don't want a chance losing them both. And McCain, you do have to give it to him, Republicans, for all his faults. Uh, He's trying to be a loyal party man and and hang on, doing everything he can to hang on till June so that he doesn't die till June. Because if he's alive after June 1st, most people's reading of Arizona election law is that there would not need to be a special election until 2020. And they believe that a presidential organization and a presidential campaign would make it more viable. One of the people that they are thinking of appointing to his Senate seat is Cindy McCain, his wife. Whether or not they do, I don't know. And I'm not sure she'd be the best pick. But um, they think having some some relation to John McCain would be a good thing for the GOP holding the seat. We will see. Um, but that is that's the latest. He is in very poor health. He has brain cancer. I do not wish brain cancer on my worst enemy, and John McCain is certainly not an enemy. He and I just disagree on politics a lot. Um, So prayers for him and his family and a reminder that we can be cordial. Uh, We should be cordial, even in the face of, or definitely in the face of things like this. Now, jumping back and forth between local and states, I've tried to balance all the news that's out there. There is some news that should reassure Republicans in Georgia. The Republican turnout, early voting turnout in Georgia is exceeding the Democrats, and that's actually pretty good news for the GOP. Now, all the standard caveats here, you you can't read early voting to extrapolate from a primary, you can't extrapolate from a primary to the general, but um, the conventional wisdom 
the wisdom that it makes up so much of the polling and media coverage is that Democrats are really fired up. And because they are really fired up, uh, that they are going to be turning out in waves to beat the GOP. And that's not happening in the primaries. And part of it is, if we are honest, and let's be honest for a moment, not that we're ever dishonest, but, you know, just a, a real moment of candor here. Democrats in Georgia aren't excited by the Democratic candidates for governor. And that's no disrespect intended to them. That's just the truth. Now, the campaigns may have ardent supporters who are actively engaged in promoting their candidates, but by and large, they're not inspiring Democrats in the state. And there is no Senate candidate to inspire statewide Democratic officeholders. So if you don't have a statewide gubernatorial candidate for the Democrats inspiring people, and you don't have a statewide Senate candidate inspiring people, I mean, who do you have? You, you really don't have anybody to galvanize your voters and turn them out. Uh, Republicans in Georgia, by and large, are not viewed as hotbeds of Trump support. They are much more establishment conservatives. Um, I was talking to a guy earlier who said that, you know, the, the one he's disappointed in on the Republican side to him is Brian Kemp. He feels like uh, Kemp is a reasonable guy, but he's running too hard as trying to be Trump. I was like, have you seen Michael Williams? <laughs> but um, to his point, with the exception of stuff like that, uh, the Republicans in Georgia don't seem to be uh, your standard uh, Trump supporter. So it's really hard to tie a Casey Cagle or a Hunter Hill or really, I, I think, even a Brian Kemp or a, a Clay Tivins to Donald Trump. Well, the only one you could tie to Trump would be Michael Williams, and he doesn't appear to be making it into the runoff. So what do you, you just, the Democrats, their candidates aren't inspiring people, and we see this in the turnout numbers. Now, there will be more people inspired in a straight R versus D general election, but there are warning signs for Democrats that they don't have the greatest crop. Now, I will tell you what is interesting is that Stacey Evans and Stacey Abrams on the Democratic side continue to pick up support. And what is most telling to me is that a bunch of left-wing support from out of state is coming in for Stacey Abrams. And it is um, Democrats' support in Georgia that's coming for Evans. And I don't know, just based on ground game and voter propensities and whatnot, whether or not that will help Stacey Evans. But I do find it striking that Stacey Evans has a stronger base of support among Democratic voters and prominent Democrats in the state than Stacey Abrams does. Abrams, however, has a lot of money coming from liberal interest groups from out of state. Uh, she's got a lot of Hollywood people supporting her. She's got a lot of the the internet left-wing progressive groups supporting her. Uh, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, a, a liberal, is supporting her. And I think Republicans will obviously use that to paint her as some gun-grabbing liberal in November. And while she will be able to say, well, I've never taken these positions, she doesn't want responsible gun control, not a gun-grabber, um, I, I think they will be able to tie her to these liberal special money interest groups from out of state in ways they wouldn't be able to tie Evans to, who actually has a strong Democratic base in the state. Um, but nonetheless, right now, Republican turnout much, much more enthusiastic in Georgia than the Democrats. By the way, before we go to break, you know one guy who continues to surprise me, and, and I'm, I'm actually supporting uh, David Schaefer in the lieutenant governor's race, but 
Jeff Duncan, um, that guy has come out of nowhere. I get people asking me about him all the time. Uh, I don't know that he's got the money to compete against Schaefer, who just has massive statewide name ID and a lot of uh, support among conservatives. He's been loyal to them over time. But I got to tell you, I am impressed uh, by this Jeff Duncan guy. Uh, he, I don't know him. I've never met him. But I mean, just I get he, all over the place. I was in church on Sunday and somebody asked if I had heard of this guy. Uh, really, really, I, I, there is more enthusiasm. I've gotten more enthusiastic inquiries about Jeff Duncan than I have any of the gubernatorial candidates, which is just uh, something to behold, not something you would expect. Um, we'll see what he can do if there's a runoff or something, but uh, that just it impresses me to have a candidate for lieutenant governor that most people haven't heard of. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I have been using it for a while. Uh, the truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enameling teeth, so you want to actually change your brush heads, and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. You can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5 including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads last week I think uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. And really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, but yet when they sent me the new brush, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. What else do I have here? I, I, I asked that rhetorically. I have, oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. The analog clocks. I don't know if y'all have seen the story. You know, clocks with hands instead of a digital readout. They're going away in public schools. Why? Because kids don't know how to read them. Like they're getting rid of cursive. You know, my son, you know, we, we've switched our kids to a different school. And it, it's hardcore. The, the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders have to learn Latin. And we're having to send our son in. We started him early. We, we pulled him out of the, the other school because of issues with discipline there. And uh, he's having to go in in the mornings now before school starts and just uh, get grammar instruction because his school uses the Common Core method, which kind of 
doesn't really do a good job teaching grammar. So his teacher's giving him some help in the mornings on grammar stuff. And now they're pulling clocks out of public schools. I mean, I realize there's only so much you can teach a kid, but it seems like you got to start with the basics instead of all this common core nonsense they're teaching kids uh, at the expense of all the stuff that they actually need to learn, including telling time without having to look at just the numbers. After the hour, the phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Chris Chandler and I were talking during the break about um, clocks and do kids really need to learn uh, analog clocks anymore? And, you know, my kids school, they learned it, uh, but in learning to tell time, uh, they also were learning fractions, which is why analog clocks are so useful. Uh, a half hour teaches you about halves. A quarter hour teaches you about quarters. Uh, now, certainly there are other ways to do it, but you can incorporate multiple lessons into one with analog clocks. And frankly, uh, analog clocks uh, do come in handy uh, for people who are visual learners uh, so they can see a better representation of how much time is left in something, how much time is left in an hour. Uh, with a digital clock, like, okay, this one in here, it says 6.40 and now 15 seconds. Um, okay. I know that means that I got 20 minutes left until 7 o'clock. But uh, with a visual learner and an analog clock, it's much easier for them to process. I think it's kind of a, a still a necessary skill. Um, and frankly, what happens when, when the Newt Gingrich electromagnetic pulse takes out the electric grid in America? All you're going to have are analog clocks, so you better learn how to read them. Um, the, the skills that modern educators... Like, I don't want to get on another education rant tonight, but... Uh, I, I often think that our education system is hijacked by trends and not by sound education science of what works and what doesn't. And we continue every few years embracing new trends in this country um, because we abhor as a nation um, holding on to the tried and the true. We we have adopted this progressive mandate of moving forward all the time in education and we are embracing things that do not necessarily work at the expense of things that have long worked and that is unfortunate uh, for our kids now there are other things out there in the news pulsing including gina haspel big story over the weekend uh in the new york times gina haspel is the president's nominee for the director of the cia she is one of the few people ever nominated to be director of the CIA who is not a partisan nominee. Gina Haspel has been at the CIA for 33 years. She has run the clandestine service. She has overseen uh, the staffing of the clandestine service. She was the chief of staff um, for the guy in charge of, of satellite intelligence at the CIA before moving over to clandestine service. I mean, she is highly skilled and she has a ton of support among Democrats and Republicans, but she has been tied to the enhanced interrogation techniques of George W. Bush and, and, and Barack Obama. And so Democrats and guys like Rand Paul are coming out claiming to oppose her, even though Multiple reports have come out and said the original reports claiming she 
endorsed or backed or oversaw torture programs has been retracted. Uh, many of the enhanced interrogation techniques, the waterboarding and whatnot that happened uh, in the Bush years after 9-11 happened before Gina Haspel was put in charge of the program. She's been accused of burning documents at the CIA. The inspector general looked at that and wouldn't prosecute her for that. Uh, there was no there there for that. And I think she would be a tremendous nominee. And it's very interesting to watch people who believe that women should be able to advance to the highest levels um, suddenly say she's the wrong kind of woman. She's one who actually can take charge and do things. I mean, talk, it's so funny to me to watch the hypocrisy of feminists. This is a woman who advanced as high as she could go uh, under Barack Obama. And now she can go one step higher under Donald Trump. And suddenly she's a bad person because Donald Trump wants to put her in the top position. Barack Obama would have put her in the top position had he been given the opportunity. Democrats and Republicans alike in the intelligence community love this woman. It's amazing to watch people savage her simply because Trump nominated her and they have no other real objections. On a completely, well, it's actually to some degree related here. Um, I don't know if, if y'all have seen this piece. I, I'm not going to worry, but there are two pieces, one in the Atlantic, one in the New Yorker. Uh, the one in the New Yorker basically says uh, that, that you can be fair and balanced without having conservatives. <laughs> that conservative intellectualism is dead or some such. Uh, and then there's the Tennessee Coates piece in the Atlantic that Kanye West wants to be white or some such. Y'all, first of all, Coates was a lot more interesting when people knew they could edit him without being accused of racism. Uh, his entire world is shaped by black or black and white. Uh, he's, he's not very interesting or original anymore. He's become highly predictive. Uh, but he and, and Jeffrey Goldberg, who is the editor of The Atlantic, sat down for a roundtable with the staff of The Atlantic, uh, and the transcript was leaked. And what you can see, first of all, is that uh, Coates is really the boss at The Atlantic. Uh, Goldberg is not. Uh, he was very much in the, the, as the kids say these days, the sheeple position. He, he was being led um, and also that the intellectualism on the left these days, these people can be beaten and not just by Trump. They are devoid of any sort of intellectual integrity or honesty. I mean, by and large, now listen, I realize some of you are on the left are thinking I'm making a, a partisan point here, but the left has become so overtaken by intersectionalism and racism and transgenderism and feminism and, and, and on and on and on and on. And they're, they don't have a consistent, coherent worldview that penetrates through. Everyone lives in a state of victimhood. And most Americans don't view themselves as victims. I mean, th th there is no intellectual coherence now within in progressivism. They are beginning to eat their own. Um, and you look at some of the work by Coates and others uh, churning out stuff at The Atlantic, The New Yorker, and elsewhere— these are people who have so bought into their nonsense, they can't see reality anymore, and they've become a shallow people, easily predictable. I mean, intellectualism seems to be dead on the left now. It is all about emotion. And to the extent that is happening on the right, I, I hope that people pull back from it because um, ideas still matter. And the left is now devoid of ideas. All they've got is grievances. Look at their reaction to, 
to Cinco de Mayo, a, a uniquely American holiday where suddenly it's all about cultural appropriation and nonsense. Um, these people are ripe for the taking. Um, they, they can't hold a candle to the deep thoughts on the right these days that are actually intellectually consistent and devoid of, of a grievance mentality. tell it's a Monday around here. Our phones, uh, you people never call on Monday, and that's not a bad thing. It gives me more time to talk, but it's always kind of amazing around here on a Monday. You know, there aren't a ton of callers. Uh, just fascinating. Now, Eric Schneiderman. There is a name you should know. Eric Schneiderman. He is New York's Attorney General. Ronan Farrow and the New Yorker have just, in the last five minutes, released a story that four women are accusing him of physical abuse. Four women accusing the New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman of physical abuse. And what's so interesting here is that he's going after Harvey Weinstein for sexual assault. He's made a big stink about being down with the Me Too movement and and down with, with women's rights and he's a feminist and all this stuff. And yet, yet again, we see another liberal male politician who claims to be all of these things engaging in the behaviors or at least accused of engaging in the behaviors he wants to prosecute hypocrisy thy name is eric schneiderman who has relentlessly pursued the president and a host of republicans and corporations trying to prove that he's some grand progressive who should be president or the next governor of new york or some such and now it looks like his career may be at an end, thanks to Ronan Farrow. Very fascinating. Okay, more on this, I'm sure, tomorrow as the story develops. And the president on Iran tomorrow. <laughs>